In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today we're going to be discussing Assassin's Creed, where they really say, nothing is real, everything is permitted, and think that isn't a genuinely harmful thing to repeat to impressionable people. So, (laughs) returning guest Alex Kane, is Assassin's Creed a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Uh, no. No, this should never be remade. They should stay away from this property based off what I just watched. Then what are we even (laughs) doing here? We're doing our best to solve a problem that Ubisoft gave itself. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was, uh, that was a movie. That's, that's, uh. So Alex, for people who haven't already listened to your episodes on uh, Mortal Kombat and Pixels, Give, uh, give the listeners a quick refresher as to who you are. I am a comedian here out in L.A. I, uh, I love comic book, video games, all those kind of things. And I think that's about all I can say about myself, right? That's, the, that's a good g- generalization of me as a person. Sure, why not? Yeah. I will also say that you have uh, the last two episodes, this one in Pixels. Oh, I see. Are yes. the two newest movies I've ever discussed on this show. That is true. The next closest being Inception. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But this is the one you were most passionate about. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Turn away passion? This was super fun. Like, this was a super bad movie to watch. But this was the most fun movie to rewrite of the three we've done so far, I think. Oh, yeah? Good, good. I love it. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, when, when did you first see this movie? I saw it in theaters. Oh, um, good. It was, I think, movie pastime. Ah, so, like, got I it. Was that just, actually I makes was, sense. I was just seeing what I could see at that time. And this was, I'm, I do like the game series. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but I do enjoy it. I've played the first one. I played the second one. And then I played the third one, which was terrible and never got back into them. Uh, My understanding so, is that some of the newer ones are good again. I don't know how many Assassin's Creed games there have been. There are about like a dozen, I think, at this point. It, wow. There's a whole lot. Because there was like a bunch on like the PSP and stuff like that. So like, is they've it been like, around uh, for a while. Is it like a Kingdom Hearts level timeline like, story arc something? I'm trying to think of yeah. the narrative. Yeah. The narrative is about as baffling as Kingdom Hearts is, but they in the most more recent games from what I'm aware of, they stopped that. They were like, "Oh, we'll just start doing the assassins part that everyone kind of likes." Because I so I've never played any of these games, but mm-hmm. I watched I feel like a roommate in college play, and my understanding is that the first game was actually I should put my phone on silent. The first game was actually in the past, took place in the past. This is an assassin. So yes and no. The first game has this whole shit about like there's an assassin in the future and he's going back and watching the memories of his former self. That is literally in the first game. That is in the first game basically as an excuse for why this guy doesn't die every time he jumps off a building and misses where he's supposed to land. 
Like it's just like a, it's a plot device beyond plot device. It is not important for what's going on. The plot of the game is what the assassin is doing. Oh, that's more interesting and Mm -hmm. did not get taken advantage of at all. And that works really well as a narrative device. Like I said, use it fun to rewrite this because that's so much better that's just like a better idea that there's just this in the background this guy who's stuck in the machine sure but that wasn't the important narrative the narrative going through was like it was i think the first one is he needed to get this puzzle box basically from a guy and the whole time you're just the assassin and you just as the player think that you're getting the puzzle box and at the end of that that's that but when you get the puzzle box, then you find out that the guy in the animus was being used by the bad guys the whole time. The same way that every game has a twist like that. And that's, that that's kind of cool. That's interesting. Instead yeah. of saying the entire movie, we're using him, we're taking advantage of this guy, we're plugging him in so we can get the information. It's not, hey, we're trying to help you. Mm-hmm. In the game, like you are not that guy in the animus you're you are the assassins for all intents and purposes they have like one or two moments where you're the guy in the animus but it's a save screen more than anything else got it interesting all right so if that's been part of the lore from the beginning that is good to know Mm -hmm. all right so then so obviously i'd heard of this movie when it came out but i mm -hmm. didn't watch it for the first time until like a couple nights ago Right. Uh, and um, I think it is problematic. Oh, yeah, for a lot of reasons. I mean, it opens with, uh, I mean, Michael Fassbender is literally being put to death, which means he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. And a it's crazy not- murderer, too. Like, way beyond, if he's being put to death with lethal injection. You know what I mean? That is in like, this society just- that they built. Yeah, it's, uh, he... <sighs> So we open with establishing that the main character we're following is a bad guy and we're not sugarcoating that at all because it's not like, oh no, I was wrongfully convicted. No, no. He was, he's like, yeah, you killed a guy. He was a pimp. Yeah. You murdered him. And they never bring it up after that. He's like, yeah, he was a pimp. And then they move on and that's it. Like it was ridiculous. It's so who gives a shit about murder? Who who gives a shit about this guy? Like, he's not... And he's also stoic. Like, he's not smart. He's not an approachable character in any sort of way. No. It's well, like well, watching a wooden say, block that we know is a bad person. That's all yeah. I feel about that. We we open with, you're a bad person, now we're gonna make you a, a, a superhero bad person with super assassin powers. Well, I mean, when he was a kid, he was really good at riding that bike. So. No, he wasn't. He didn't make the jump. Yeah, he, like, hit himself in the stomach with his own bike and probably broke it. That's what happened. Yeah, that and then he bikes home, and then there's this whole other subplot, like, oh, uh, my dad killed my mom. He tells me my blood is not my own, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. It's you as don't... if... It's as if this dad, 10, 15 years in the past, already knew that because they're the descendants of these assassins in the past, this group is going to use them for, like, brain regressions, which at that point was not a thing that existed. So saying your blood is not your own makes no sense and felt like it was a direct quote from one of the video games, but what not in a good way. 
I'm sure it was a direct quote. Like, I know I've heard it from the games, but the games explain shit about how blood relates to being an assassin. Like, four games down the line or something like that. It matters in the games. But the games have, like, 30 hours to tell you what that means. This movie just dropped that line and then never brought it up again. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why it's so difficult to make video game movies is that video games have so much more time to tell such a more intricate story. And a movie is going to try to boil it all down into a two-hour chunk. I mean, it's part of the reason we were making fun of this earlier. It's part of the reason why the, uh, uh, the M. Night Shyamalan Avatar movie failed is because it had seasons. Well, really, it was just the first season. So it had 13 episodes or something. And all that got boiled down into a two-hour movie. That's not going to work. It's too much story for a movie. Yeah, nothing gets translated correctly when you have to cut out most of it. Like, that's just not the way things work. But, like, Assassin's Creed could have worked still. Like, I... I Because they agree. didn't even follow the game. This is just a whole made-up story that takes place in the game's... Not even in the game's universe, but, like, in a similar universe of the game. Yeah, like they like, show a couple of the characters from games that I didn't play. That's yeah. that's the connection. I mostly think they should have they should be cutting out everything that takes place in the present. Absolutely, basically, yeah. That's that's the way to go with this. Like the way I think it should happen is like you open with something happening in the past, and then the person fails and dies. We cut back to this person plugged into this chair. He's like, God, I can't get this. I can't figure this thing out. And it's like, do you want to go again? Yeah, send me back in. And we go through it again. Like this movie was like, there was a decent Black Mirror episode mixed with a weird adventure through like ancient time, some ancient time. And a wannabe like, here's the the calling for like a trilogy. You know what I mean? Like it's starting a whole lore of stuff. They tried to force yeah. all of that into two hours, or less than two hours. It was really, really weird. I mean, the problem is, is that the only person in the movie who really wanted a trilogy was Marion Cotillard, who I am fully on board with the fact that she can do no wrong because she's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, like, literally, she's giving all of these people their weird assassin powers in order to get this bit of knowledge, and then objects to them being like, well, we gave them all these assassins' powers. We should kill them. No, they're still useful. No, they're not. You're literally not using them. And mm-hmm. two, somehow they figured out, like, they may have joined and were on your side and then became not on your side anymore. And it's like this weird, are we working together or are we not? And then literally at the end, she's like, please don't go kill my father. I'm gonna. All right, I understand. Gasp. He killed my father and I shall not forgive him. No one dares lay a hand on Jeremy Irons. No (laughs) one. Jeremy, like this was oddly well cast. Like that's how I. I mean, I I don't have a problem with any of the casting. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Very well cast. It was very hard to recast. Except that I'm not buying that all of the assassins that these people have worked with, they were like, let's go get like 50 year old men. Let's go get older men and make them peak uh, a 50 year old man's athletic ability instead of, you know, like a 20 year old. Like I, I couldn't get past that the whole time. I was like, you could get anybody who fits these assassins genetic sequence and you went with just like old 
older guys. Like, it's so weird to me. I don't I know why. I think did cast a 42-year-old. Yeah, it was it was Michael Fassbender, who, like, I guess he's 40. So I, I did. I cast him. Oh, you cast. Well, like, he, like sure. 42 is <laughs> fine. Michael Fassbender could be a grandfather in this movie. He does not. <laughs> and it feels like they're doing everything they can to avoid the fact that he does not look young at parts. Like, when he's parkouring around, they are not showing his face at any time. Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. Like, he is, they're doing everything they can to be like, this This is Michael Fassbender, but, like, don't pretend that it's him. Like, it's somebody else in that weird rock climbing suit. When they, well, for starters, for the entire movie, I was like, the dude in the hood, is that Michael Fassbender? It'd be super weird if it wasn't Michael Fassbender. Is it Michael Fassbender? Because they browned up his face a lot, and it feels like he's a little yeah. bit brown face, and he should not yeah. be. Um, oh, but- yeah. No, that that was... That was a real problem for me. Like, one, if you want him to play a Spaniard, let him play a Spaniard, fine. Why did you paint him to look Moroccan? That was yeah. so weird. Super weird. Like, it, when we got to the this part later, and the, it gets revealed, oh, your dad's here at this facility for some reason. Oh, cool. Can't we use his blood? And it's like, and I'm like, okay, cool. Is Brendan Gleeson going to do epic fight choreography? Because I will watch that. Yeah. And I will love it. I'll watch Brendan Gleeson fight. I would love if Brendan Gleeson did anything besides one stab motion in this movie. And then get murdered, and it sucks. It was More so Brendan Gleeson, please. One of the most boring murder scenes in a movie that was built around murder scenes. Like, it was... It was yeah, it was funny that I... Uh, and also, like, Jeremy Irons says, clean house. Question. Can't we just leave? Why? That'll just make them fight back and and might ruin our plans. If we leave, they'll be like, all right, cool. Also, what was it with it being all of them were like mental patients at this point, like telling him riddles and being like with choreographed, like grabbing an apple off his table that they knew the whole time, but they couldn't tell him what was going on. Like it was one of the only times in a movie where I was like, I think me and the character both hate what's going on for the same reason, because we both just don't understand it. At some point, doesn't he say, what the fuck's going on? I think so. Yeah, that first time he's sitting and like he's eating his steak and they're like, "Uh, we have many things here, but I recommend the chicken. You should order your food. We recommend the chicken. Okay, I'll have the steak. Gasp. Neither the chicken nor the steak have any implications. It doesn't mean anything or matter. So that's why I think it's irrelevant. Like, I understand, they were trying to, like, give him hints that, like, they're, like, they're lying to you, they're the bad guys, and we're the good guys, even though, like, no lines in the sand had been drawn for anyone at that point. Like, yeah, I feel like they spent all this time trying to obfuscate, like, is it okay or is it bad? And then it's just, it's fine. The, like, literally, like, then the, they say, we're the bad guys, we're the Templars. They have that opening Chiron, which does mm-hmm. nothing for the movie. Do not have that. That hurts nope. your movie. It was about 12 words long. You don't need 12 words on a scroll like that. Paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, like, no, but it was like, the Templars fought the assassins. They hate each other. They still hate each other. That was basically all it said. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was... The same 12 words. It was nothing. There was nothing in there. They shouldn't have yeah. put it on a crawl. 
And all of that came through over the course of the movie anyway. It was the the crawl was definitely a studio note saying people aren't going to get who's the bad guy. And it's like, we get it. We've seen movies before. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, um, my, my pitch is basically to cut out all of the present day stuff, except for a couple of scenes in the chair. Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree with that pitch, but I want to add to it a little bit. I'm going to say, tell tell me about your idea for this movie. So like, I want to skip all of the backstory shit with Cal. Uh, I don't give a shit about his dad. But I want want it still involved in this way. I want for the first act to be him and the Animus, but we just see the assassin plot. We see the arc of the assassin getting that apple he wants and giving it to Columbus. And then it cuts to Fassbender waking up from the Animus and like having flashbacks of his evil father, blah, blah, blah. This would be a much longer movie. So it would be about him with his evil father and then they throw him in a cell by himself. Then they go get who would be Michael K. Williams' character because he was really trying hard to be interesting in this movie. (laughs) He tried so hard to make me care about him. I don't know if he was successful at it, but it was fun and I would like more of that. I want to see his assassin. I want to see that assassin's arc for like 45 minutes as he goes and gets the apple from like when Christopher Columbus handed it off to the next person, what assassin went after that guy. And then when they get to that, he deals with his own daddy bullshit and they throw him in a cell and then they go get a third person who would be Lynn was her name in this. And they watch her assassin's arc. They throw her in the cell and it's a four act movie. The fourth act, they overthrow all those people and escape because I kind of enjoyed that fight scene where they escape at the end. And that was yeah. the only thing I wanted to keep in this movie. And I thought, may as well try to keep something. I I like the idea. I like the idea of following, like, there's no necessarily, like, single individual narrator. It's just we're going through piece by piece. Here are the individual pieces kind of assembling the story. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if it were me, and I think it was, if it was, like, full movie, it would be a little bit more Rashomani, where we're seeing kind of the same instance, but from all these different people's perspectives. Okay. See, which I, I think we'd be getting by putting these those different individuals like in the chair and get and getting their their story. I think getting different individuals into the chair is what this movie's because re- the best part of Assassin's Creed game series overall is that you get to be in the Crusaders' time fighting the Crusaders or in ancient Greece fighting Greek people, and you want to see all of those. And I think it'd be cool to have like three different styles of combat stories of like a Chinese assassin in ancient China, so on and so forth. Like it would just be more fun that way for me to have like mixed different styles of combat throughout the movie. I like that idea. Um, I feel like that might be too complicated for a single movie. My pitch for my pitch for the movie is, um, is is we just have we spend the vast majority of our time in the past because I want to spend basically no time in the present for at mm-hmm. least acts one and two, mm-hmm. acts one and two I want to like sometimes cut back and forth and like just the guy in the chair like for me uh, the character of Rickon the Jeremy Irons character I would make him the big bad in the past I would just have Sophia there as just the person behind the controller kind of like putting Cal in and out of stasis. Mm-hmm. And it's just Cal kind of going through this process. We don't necessarily know why, but we're basically just following his story as uh, Aguilar in the past. 
And mm-hmm. he's going through this, basically this mission in order to assassinate someone. Let's say it's Rickon to assassinate Rickon and recover this thing. And basically like we keep going through, but then he keeps making like, we finally get to a point where we have to kind of like go through a jump, go through a jump, go through a jump over and over and over again and watch him fail, fail, fail. Mm-hmm. Until finally it's like, you keep doing the same thing. What What's going on? Well, I, I, I should be able to make it. Well, maybe that's not what you did in the past. Maybe look around and see if there's something else you can do. Oh, okay. And he turns around. Oh, there was a grab hold over here. He figures it out and then figures out how to solve the in-game puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's basically she's using him to kind of like solve this puzzle of what was going on. And then when he finally acquires a thing and figures out what it is, she says, okay, great. Thank you so much for your time. And that th- the actual story in the past takes place as the two acts of act one and two. Thank you so much for your time. Flush. He gets sent down to this thing where he runs into Musa and uh, Nathan and Lynn mm-hmm. and is like, okay, what just happened? They're like, oh, she got you too, huh? And then they have to go track her down to this thing, this thing she found. Is it a magic apple from the past that can control free will? No, that's stupid. <laughs> this is a movie all about technology, and then right at the end it introduces magic. Yep. So for me, it's more about the like. It, it can be about riches, or it can be about some sort of like some piece of evidence that something isn't what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be. Some like, sort uh, of like, this is George Washington's actual, what, what was it from the, the uh, stealing the declaration of independence? They were like, it's the clue of, I am, this is actually a bad riff. They, I went they, nowhere they, with they, this already. <laughs> they, they find a room full of treasure in that movie. True. Yep. They do. But you, I don't, I know what you're saying where it's like, this one piece of gold signifies that actually Shakespeare never wrote the the plays and they need a high Yeah, something like that. Yeah. What, so let's take a step back yep. because I feel like this is fun. What do you want our MacGuffin to be? See, I kind of like this weird, not magic apple. I don't give a shit about magic, but the fact that everyone thinks it's this magic apple. I wanted that magic apple to come back and just be like, I don't know, a really big rock or a really shiny diamond. And people are like, Ooh, that's really cool. And that would be a better way. Like they were, I would honestly rather them search for money than what they were doing. I feel like, okay, you know what? You're, you're kind of right. The apple might work, but all that happens is Jeremy Irons hold the, holds the apple up over his head and it starts releasing magic fog for some reason. And that makes no sense. And I would find it more interesting if Sophia gets the apple, she finds it, and then it's like, okay, what does it do? And it's like, would- it's this thing. And it's not until the very, very end, the post, like, post-credits, like where we get to the very end and Cal or Musa or someone has the apple and they're playing with it and all of a sudden something clicks. End of movie. Yeah, I'd rather that. Like it's some sort of puzzle box that they still have to solve. But yeah, and that's they, how we introduce whatever's going to come next. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather that. Oh, but like what they did was so bad that it's such a low barrier. Like it was. Yeah. I I don't know what it did besides cause fog, which really well, hurt literally me. just possessing the apple. Now you know how to use it. It is thousands and thousands of years old. If you hold it, you get it. See, I'd rather then I'd rather them go the 
Indiana Jones route where it kills the person at the end. Like if that's yeah. the way they wanted to go with it, sure. I would have rather see Ark of the Covenant opened again. Okay. That's I mean, something. Indiana Jones is an amazing example where it's a movie that does not have uh, the supernatural, does not have the supernatural, does not have the supernatural. And then it does in a way that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that's good. It's a, it, well, I mean, the first Indiana Jones is great. They just did it like three more times since then. Like every and Indiana Jones kind of has worked. that. One of the other times was okay. Yeah, one of the every, other times. Every odd numbered Indiana Jones is a good movie. Every odd number Indiana Jones is a decent enough movie that other people really like. I like one of them a lot. <laughs> ah, I like three also. Yeah, people seem to like. I can't get past Sean Connery in almost anything. Any, I just find him weird. Like, I just find him un- distasteful. Like every time I watch him on screen, I'm like, it feels like you're like a rat. That, like, I don't need you in my house. That's how I feel about him. This is a non sequitur, but did you ever see the uh, the like 1990s British movie Avengers? Uh, no, I have not, but I've heard of it. It's weird. Um, and Sean Connery is in it. It might be like one of those movies. It's like, this is why Sean Connery doesn't act anymore. Also, he's a monster. Um, but like, it's, it's weird. He, they make him do weird things. And for that, it's funny. And you get to watch Sean Connery be like, just frustrated with the whole process of everything. It's a bad movie. So if you want a bad movie night, it's an excellent, uh, choice. That's what I've heard about it. It's like one of those, you put it on when you're trying to watch a bad movie. Oh Yeah. Which is a, a lot of the later movies for Connery. So uh, about the plots, I like your plot a lot because it's very straightforward. I just I love the idea of going to multiple different assassins' worlds, and I guess that might be too much for one movie. I I'll take that note. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that, and I feel like that's something we can play with. I don't necessarily want to throw away the idea of pulling in multiple worlds. Like literally there can be something where they're trying, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying to do this thing. And they try two, three, four, and they like do a sequence of failure, 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 failure. And it's like, I'm just not getting this. It's like, all right, well, what do you want to do about it? Can we plug in this other thing? Maybe I can clear my mind with a completely different story. Oh, uh, sure. Here's a completely different, super short five minute mission. Great. Easy. Get the flag. Oh, Okay. So it's go in and we just get to watch this five minute sequence of him clearing his mind, getting this flag, but getting the flag, he learns a trick that he then goes, oh, okay, plug me back into the thing. I know how to solve it. He goes back in, he solves the thing. We keep moving with the story. They could also do a thing where like, not first act, but first 10 minutes is a total, like the ending of somebody else's story. One of the other assassins that he'd meet at the end. Just like the end of their story of them being like, you'll never find the apple. And then they wake up, and they're like, can't find it. And it's uh, Sophia being like, God damn it, thought you found it. And they flush him. And then it starts, now they go get Cal. So we see, the you know the what I mean? The only reason why I don't want to do that is because I don't want to have an introduction of Cal at all. At all. I want this yeah. to be completely in media res. And if we do that, we need to be like, well, we're going to go get Cal now. Okay, who's Cal? Well, let me tell you about Cal. Cal grew up in a small country town. Fuck. I mean, you could do just the go get Cal cut to now we're in a Gua- Aguilar's world. You know what I, I mean? Like, I get, but I feel like it's more interesting if it's just the same guy. And like, 
it's just for me. I feel like we cut a little bit more out where it's like, we're already starting with the story. This is this story. Okay. Whereas if we break and start over and get someone new, now we need to be introduced to this person because we can only do in media res once because then we're moving. Yeah, I At guess we point, would be doing that. Too. Yeah, because we, we can't keep media resonating. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. That's just my personal preference. If, if no, you disagree, let's go with yours then. That's that's fine. I mean, uh, it's it's the more straightforward movie either way. Like the you get the two the good three act structure. You got to meet all the people at the end. Still, I'm still on board with that. So I get what I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still want to meet all of those people, and I want to have like a couple of those people as like these little training sequences in the middle, also. And we can even meet them over the course of the story. It's like, oh, hey, for this 15, 20 minutes, I need your help to go accomplish this thing. And it's a different assassin with a different style. Also, I know that I'm sure this is a big part of the Assassin's Creed lore because it's literally called the Assassin's Creed. (laughs) But that is a fucked up creed. Yep. That's like bad. And having people like say that and repeat it over and over again is why we have little... uh, little stupid young men running around being like, I'm the hero the world needs. Bang, 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 bang. They don't need to say it. I don't remember them ever saying, like, I know they said it in the game. It wasn't something I took from the game. It was something that, like, you couldn't do anything in the game. You couldn't kill anyone you weren't supposed to kill. That was, like, a big part of it. You couldn't just assassinate random people. Like The movie... This movie specifically feels like it glorifies being an asshole in like a very like, well, you're the asshole, but you're on the side, you're on the right side. How do you know? You know, because that's the thing. They're not told they're on the right side. They don't know who's right and who's wrong. They're just like, we're right. Why do we find out? There's not a single point in this movie where it explains why we hate the Templars over the assassins. Why either one is good and either one is bad. We just know we're on the assassin side because Michael Fassbender is an assassin. That's all we know. Like there is so much of this movie that was just thrown. Like there were like action scenes and we didn't know why they were fighting constantly. And they didn't lean into it. I mean, they have that like Mm -hmm. Chiron thing at the beginning, but like when the evil priest is being evil and putting people to death, it's just like, you're heretics. I kill you because I'm a bad guy. As opposed to, yeah, so you guys are assassins. You've killed a bunch of people and we're going to sentence you to death so you can't kill any more people. How dare you? <laughs> yep. No, it makes no sense. In the game, it's a little more clear that the Templars are trying to end the world. Like, that's their goal. They have a cartoonishly villain goal. I didn't yeah. get anything from them about that. I just got that. Uh, what's his name was a bad dude. Like the, I already blanked Jeremy on his name. Yeah. Jeremy Irons was a bad dude. Rickon. Rickon. I wrote Allen down because that's his first name. That's fine. Yeah. That's but Rickon was a bad guy because he was an asshole. Sophia seemed fun. So Sophia was the hero by the end of the movie for me. She's the only one who didn't do anything wrong. And there's this moment where like, uh, Aguilar is standing surrounded by all these ghosts of previous assassins, which what? One of them was what? from the game that had just come out when it this movie had come out. Cool. I don't that, care. No, uh, me either. I had to look that up. I didn't know that. 
Like, I'm sure there were lots of hidden Easter eggs in that moment that I just didn't care there about. And then there's That's the other... where his dad is there because his dad just died. And mm-hmm. we're forgetting that this isn't magic. It's a machine nope. that does projections of the things in the memory. It's and it really just it does <laughs> it breaks it breaks the rules of their own world. But what was crazy for me is it I because I everyone's face was cloaked and they were wearing so much makeup as I swore I saw on I on one of those faces, I was like is that young woman supposed to be Marion Cotillard? Yep. I can't. It was. It was supposed to be her. I just couldn't really tell until I read the Wikipedia thing later where it told me she saw her. That's what I thought. And I was like, so is that why she's been against this whole time? Because she's also secretly in the Assassin's Creed? And then no, he kills her dad. Oh, we're going to get that apple now. Nope. Have no idea. Genuinely <sighs> no idea. Genuinely no idea about any of it, though. Like, they just. I'm mad about it. It feels like, like I said, it feels like there were three or four plots and they were just like, let's see what sticks. Because like the Marion Cotillard uh, extra assassin thing was just building up for a sequel, I guess. Yeah, I mean, clearly. But my real biggest problem with them having the guy from the one Assassin's Creed in that scene is the fact that they didn't have a billion Easter eggs in that scene. That's upsetting. Why would you not? They only had the one. They had everything to do and they chose to put only one Easter egg in from the game in this entire movie, from what I could tell. Why is there none of that campy fan servicey shit that they put in all these Marvel things where you get allusions to other characters? Why is none of that in this? This game is 12 games long. I don't know a lot about it, but put none of it in your movie is just I not mean, fair. Some of the Easter eggs they had in was like jumping off of ridiculous high things. And one of the people he throws off the building lands in a bale of hay. Those aren't Easter. Like those aren't those Easter eggs in Easter the same eggs. way. Those are, no, those are not. literally part of the, does jumping into hay is part of the lore of the game, even though that's what breaks him at one point in this. You know what I mean? There's that point yeah. where he does the assassin's dive or whatever it's called. And he, then he breaks. When in the game, the whole point of that assassin's dive is that you land every time. Right. And they don't show that. What they do well is they show his climbing is picture perfect from game to movie. Was it? All right, well, that's yeah, good. Like that monkey climb that he does, it's like the exact same like parkour, throw everything down with your hands and push your entire body up that way. Like, they, that's, that's about it, though. That's all they've got. That's good. The, you're more plugged into this uh, than I am. I'm, I mean, I looked it up and the movie is a box office failure, but how well was it received by Assassin's Creed fans? Really poorly. Very, very poorly. Oh, good. That's, yeah. Good. Everyone wanted to see, Altair is the guy in the first game. Everyone wanted to see his story. It's the most cinematic. They just wanted to see the first game turned into a movie. That's all anyone wanted. And they went their own way and they changed the animus and... Like, when you're playing the game, it's so rare that it'll cut to what's going on in the real world. And then every action scene showed Michael Fassbender jumping from building to building and then cutting to him doing that weird thing in the Animus. And it's like, why did we need to see that at all? No one ever wanted that. But I will say that I liked it. Okay. Interesting. Because I, it was the thing that distracted me the most. It was incredibly distracting, and it definitely took you out of the moment. I enjoyed it because I thought it was just cool animation, but that's all it was. It was showing off cool special effects and graphics. Mm-hmm. And in that's this fair. version, and it's basically like it's fun watching the Michael Fassbender of the present mirroring the Michael Fassbender of the past. I don't think we should have it, 
but it was a thing we had in this movie and it was something I enjoyed. I'll give you that. But I, but I agree with you, we shouldn't have it. Either way, bottom line of how people felt about it is no one, no fan of the movie was like, I want to see a movie about the animus and the fight over what happens for the animus. Everyone wants to see what the assassins are doing. That's yeah. all people wanted to see. And that's all I want to see. And that's why I have I- a lore question for you. Okay. So the missing ring finger. Mm-hmm. What is the story behind that in the video games? They cut off their finger to prove they are assassins. And then their glove thing is tied to like the nub of their, like the glove thing with the sword that comes out is tied to their yeah. missing finger. A like, hidden knife or whatever. Yeah. Like their gauntlet can't be operated if you have five fingers. That's the lore behind it. So it's a uh, secret society bullshit. Yep. Yep. Cool. I mean, the idea of creating a blade that can only be operated a specific way is a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. But an assassin that's restricted to just that kind of blade feels like a bad assassin. But I understand that's lore, so I'm not yeah. that attached to it. He's a, he's not only restricted, to, or she in a lot of the games, they're not only restricted to the one blade. They're restricted to, they have four fingers on one hand. I think they have five on the other hand. So they can use any other weapon. They just also have the signature it comes out of their sleeve blade that he used a lot. Part of me always, and I know that this is entirely personal, but like I always saw it and I'm holding up my hand so people who are listening can totally see, but the ring finger is missing Mm -hmm. and then the blade comes up in place of the ring finger. So it's like a hidden blade in that it's, uh, it blends in with the silhouette of the hand. No, that's not what it is. It's a, it literally comes out the wrist like a Spider-Man web shot. All right, fine. I don't know why they only need four fingers. They never probably explain that. They're just like, yeah, that's just what it takes. And they just call it that. You, I mean, I just feel like that, just, that makes you weaker. I mean, especially since you do so much climbing, you want as much finger strength as possible. Worst case scenario, take the pinky. That's the one that does the least. And it requires the ring finger in order to function properly because they share a ligament. Well, I mean... I can't give I, biological information to these assassins because like, they came literally around they're making themselves less effective. <laughs> they Fine. came around before most biological scientists were a thing. There wasn't a lot of medicine back before, like in zero. That year was hard for a lot of people. You'd feel like the people who would understand the human body the most are people who leave piles of them around. No, they just know head goes off and that's good. Uh, you don't have to do po- much pokey, for your thought. Pokey thing go here. Uzi comes out. All done. <laughs> exactly. That's the way it works. Great. That's how they think. But I, that's why I wanted more assassins. Because like Baptiste, for example, is poisons. That's his thing in like lore. Uh, He's Baptiste the one with the, with the plague mask, right? No, Michael K. Williams is Baptiste's uh, heir. He says it at one point. Uh, oh, Okay. He just, like, they, he, I don't remember why I wrote it down, but it's something that stuck with me. Baptiste poisons people. He's a voodoo assassin. He does that kind of shit. Cool, that didn't like come up. That. Exactly. It, I had to know that from, like, oh, I know who Baptiste is from comic books and shit. Because, like, it's a crossover name kind of thing. Okay. All, a lot of them are, let like, quote, warriors of legend. Like, uh, Lin, who's the Asian lady, Sun, Sun Jun? 
she's in one of the game Assassin's Creed games. I would hope so. Yeah. And like she's a uh she's basically a ninja assassin, whole other type of assassin. I would like to see that kind of assassin too. But that might be all movie on its own. I agree. That uh yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um but that's the thing. Like I feel like you introduce all these different people as side characters who have probably their own rich lore and say, oh, okay, I want to know more about this person, and that's why you get another movie. I think that's what they, that's definitely what Michael K. Williams was hoping to happen. He definitely was doubling down on all of, I mean, they definitely were trying to make an expanded universe or at least a trilogy out of this. I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, Marion Cotillard and Michael K. Williams were the ones putting in the most effort and doing the best job. Yep. Although to be fair, even even Marion Cotillard was just kind of being like, "This is what you have to do." Like yeah. she was being a competent person. Michael K. Williams was being an interesting person. Yeah, he was being a cartoon character, and that's why. Yeah, I really liked that's that. what we wanted. I this wanted car- all of them to be cartoon characters. Yeah, I I fully agree. Yeah, that's how. This that's what this out. movie needed. Mm-hmm. It needed anyway, to not so, take itself seriously. Yeah. So I feel like we've kind of talked about what we want for the plot and our frustrations with the original. So mm-hmm. let's let's go into casting. Let's talk about who we want to play these characters. And I feel mm-hmm. like... And so in my head, it is the same actor in the present who's playing them in the past. I did that too. Okay, good. Yeah. Because um, I feel like trying to go back and... Because at, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, is it a different character? I And I literally couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with some strong faces and i also made some choices for for three of these characters i literally cast stunt people oh that's a good idea because literally a lot of these people don't do much like the person who originally played lynn i like i couldn't find anything about this woman and i was like i feel like she's just a stunt like fighter that's what they've been and doing I feel in like, a lot of movies lately yeah, right. why are you taking this extra step? Why not just cast the person who can do this thing? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good idea, so, especially if you're not focusing on like an acting side of them, which means we're taking out all of the stuff about his parents. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get rid oh, of. Yeah. I did not recast them. I did recast Joseph, but just because I was recasting everybody, we can skip oh. over it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to it. Like, literally, one of my characters is some other bad guy. Yeah, I have some of those. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to it. You, you'll probably have more people than I do, but uh, let, let's start with Cal. Yeah. Aguilar. Um, I'll start with mine because I think we may end up going with yours because yours is probably a little bit younger. I went with someone who is a very stunning profile, like on his own and like kind of has like the voice and the intimidation and is kind of doing a little bit more of kind of the, like he's always kind of been in like these actiony kind of things, but he's never been the one fighting himself. And that's why I think it'd be kind of funny to make, put him in a situation where now he gets to, if he wants to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I cast an actor named Sendhill uh, Ramamurthy, uh, who Not you will him. know, uh, you'll recognize him as, uh, oh crap, now I'm blanking on the character's name. <laughs> He's he's most well known as being uh, Mohinder Suresh on Heroes. Okay, I remember the character. I don't really know anything else he's ever been in. Offhand, I I was reminded of him recently when he was on a, a recent season arc of uh, The Flash. And right. 
it's not it's not good i wouldn't describe it as good but he hams it up and commits completely and that's why i was like oh man if you can ham it up for something like this to being a giant ooze monster and commit completely to doing that and just having fun with it i feel like it'd be fun to watch jump around and be an assassin yeah so we're we've been watching the same shows so we might have some crossover here i uh i know who you're talking about now he he would be fun i never thought of him because i just i i recognize him only as that role and now i guess Mm -hmm. i didn't realize he was the same guy from heroes because that happens all the time especially with these cw shows he's one of those people who i don't necessarily recognize his face but i recognize his voice instantly Okay. I like him actually a lot now that I'm thinking about it. Who I went with Cal, also from one of these shows, uh, I went with Rick Gonzalez, who is Rene uh, on uh, Arrow. So Wild Dog. Oh, I love him. I've cast him a bunch of times because I genuinely think he's great. I think he's really fun. I think he always works. He's like in every show. Like if you, he's one of those guys where it's like, if you watch a show long enough, he'll just pop up as some guy. Like, he's really, he's got a lot of range in that regard. He looks a lot younger than he is, so he can kind of do that. And I like the idea of the assassin being small, and he is not a big dude. I like the idea of the assassin being able to blend in with anybody and, like, be tiny, but big enough to, like, climb a side of a ledge. And those are normally smaller, scrappier people. I agree. I love all of those different things. The nice thing about both of our casting is they're both incredibly charismatic people, so it'll be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I always say that, like, I stopped watching Arrow uh, a season or two ago. Yeah. But, like, there, one of the things that, like, kind of kept me going was watching the scenes between uh, Rick Gonzalez and the guy who played Mr. Terrific. Just the oh, two yeah. of these people bouncing off of each other. Like, I would watch their show forever because just the two of them genuinely enjoying each other's company is just delightful and i really like it he always seems like he's having a good time on screen uh, you can yeah. say it's same for both of them but like i real renee's been the best part of arrow for the last like four seasons probably at this point oh for me. easily to be fair i would have to- that, so <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah that's why i stopped watching it i would go with rick gonzalez because i think uh someone of slight someone smaller and because i think sendil is tall I think Rick Gonzalez is probably a good, is probably the better choice. Yeah, and I I like keeping the Hispanic roots to a Spanish guy because like it is about like they like Spaniards did come to the Americas, but where they settled was awful. Like a lot of Hispanic people have Spanish roots. Maybe we should uh, they not do, have white but dude only. I mean, the thing about Spaniards is that they're they are white dudes. They're European white dudes. No, they're they, just from Spain. That's what I'm saying. They were, but it's been so many generations of Spaniards came, and like now, so yeah. many like the the chances that a Spaniard's heir from is is a white guy is Hispanic. Is yes, you're yeah, correct. That that yeah, is in they, the Americas specifically. Yeah, I agree with that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But and I just to throw it out there. For the Joseph character, I decided Danny Trejo because if we're going comic booky, why the fuck is that guy not an assassin? So I don't know. He has no place in the movie we're writing, but I like the idea of Danny Trejo being his dad. <laughs> okay, I wrote it down because I don't have anyone for that, but that's fine. Uh, cool. So I feel like the next most important person to talk about is Sophia. Mm-hmm. So who did you have for Sophia? I don't love my choice. 
at this point, but I wrote, I like Shailene Woodley for it. I think she's That's really young. You picked someone really young. I went really young because I think the the story of like a woman not being taken seriously in science still is very, very, very relevant. And young women should be in science for that reason. So I went a little younger for part of that. But also Shailene Woodley's been really good at being that kind of like smartest person in the room, but no one gives a shit about it. Like, I really think she has that in her and she's starting to play older characters. And I mean, she's proud. She's 30, I think, or maybe 28. She could be passable as somebody who's a genius PhD daughter of a rich man. That makes sense to me. I think I have it. I went with someone older. Yeah, you're right. She's 28. Yeah. Um, I went with someone a little bit older just because someone who's like built their life around committing to this idea. And then now all of a sudden it's like, but also is like, can de- like can kind of play like the, the older scientist, but also can like be pl- playing their own game at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why I went with uh, Judy Reyes from Judy Reyes, you know, as Carla from Scrubs. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, she's, and she's been acting pretty consistently since she's in Claws. She's in Devious Maids. Mm-hmm. And she absolutely can play someone who's kind of like got this like kind of side thing. And I specifically because I'm like, I don't care about Rickon. So I don't necessarily need her young enough to be answering to some sort of father, especially as the way we've rewritten it. Rickon will be a villain in the in mm-hmm. the animus as opposed to someone who like she needs to be able to be like where the empress of the, the Templars will come by and go, he's going to get all the credit. But you and I both know you did this. It, yeah, I so you're, you're, you're the empress. Give me credit. I do agree with you. With what we wrote, an older person makes more sense, period. I was casting it with a different kind of plot in mind. So there's some stuff <laughs> that's going to change. But I'm I also fine. like, what, the one thing I will give this movie is that it avoids a romantic subplot. Because like, you think, oh, Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, there's going to be a romantic subplot there. And I'm delighted that there was not. Yeah, no, that would have really sucked. Honestly. It's I, like one of those things where they, like, they kind of hint at it and then it doesn't happen. I'm like, good. There's that the woman that he uh, was on missions with in the past who clearly he cared about. Mm-hmm. That was way more interesting to me because, again, in media res. And I didn't want them having any sort of romantic anything to do with uh, with Mary Cotillard. So especially, yeah. like, even more. I uh, agree. They, like, when they were even getting too friendly, I was like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I, I don't like this. I don't like that it's at weird. all. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like them just being in separate rooms and being about two characters. She is waiting for a train. Yeah. <laughs> That's an, it's an Inception joke. Don't even worry about it. Okay. All right. Then let's go with Judy right. Reyes. Let's talk about, uh, what was Rickon's first name? Alan. Alan. His name is Alan Rickon? Yep. Not Rickman. Not Alan Rickon. Rickon. Yep. That's actively terrible. Yeah. It's I'm just going to call him Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. I mean, Which is a better about- name for the character. It is. Jeremy <laughs> Irons is a great name. The thing about all the people in this movie is that this movie came out in 2016. So every single person who was in this movie could still play the role, mm-hmm. but we, we're not going to do that. Right. Like a lot of uh, the, Jeremy Irons was a great that, um, but also we're going a different direction with it a little bit. So who, yeah. who are you? So I kind of want to, my replacement Jeremy Irons also kind of have a powerful voice, kind of like, Kind of has that old worldy kind of menace. Ian McShane. Ooh. I went old worldy kind of menace, but a much less threatening voice with Colin Firth. 
Colin Firth, really? You- I feel like Colin Firth would be like the person who answers to Ian McShane. Like Colin Firth in this world is another assassin who takes his orders from this guy running something. I don't like, think so. I don't think Ian Colin McShane Firth should be- is the evil Wait, guy. Who am I thinking of? Colin Firth is I, I don't know who you're thinking of. Colin Firth is I'm thinking by of evil people. I'm thinking but- of Colin Farrell. Oh yeah, no, not him. Colin Farrell is not. Can we have that Colin Farrell? Yeah, he can be a part of this. I like Colin Farrell a lot. He can just be add- assassin number 12. <laughs> I'm adding in Colin Farrell. Yeah, I like Colin Farrell a lot. Colin Firth, I have, because he's like, he feels like old money, and he feels like he would murder you with a smirk. Like, I feel um, like he could play that so well, and like, he does, basically, I want him to play the guy he plays in Kingsman, but an evil version of that. First of all, I love Kingsman. Fun movie. For the most part. But I hate Kingsman the Golden Circle. Didn't see it. <laughs> Don't. And it literally they had this amazing opportunity to make Colin Firth the actual bad guy. And then we would have had evil Colin Firth and it would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we don't and it makes me sad. Well, I mean, it's a movie that decides that a bullet to the brain doesn't matter. So, like, I didn't take any stake in it. So I just didn't go see it. Because I hate when they do shit, stuff like that in movies. So let's take another step back and talk about something else. One of the things I did like is that they're not in like old school Spain or or Turkey or wherever they were speaking English. They are speaking this other language. I don't remember what they were speaking. Some sort of, it was Spanish. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't paying that close attention. I was just kind of paying attention to the subtitles. And I liked that. I feel like Colin Firth and to be perfectly honest, Ian McShane really only work as ultimate bad guys. If we're doing this kind of like old school Britain or it's an old school British person kind of taking over. Neither of them works. If we're putting this somewhere else. I mean, Um, I don't know exactly what we would do for that part. I don't mind that it was in another language, but this movie was so bad that because it was subtitles, I stopped paying attention. So I kept that in mind the whole time. The, the problem is with a movie like this is that you're watching for the action movie, the action moments. And I feel like you either get in for a subtitle movie or you don't. I liked it, but I feel like it's going to be off-putting for a lot of people who are going to go see this kind of movie. So I feel like Ian McShane, Colin Firth are both good choices for what would kind of have to happen to make this movie more compelling. Right. In, in especially because everyone loves their like British conspiracy whatever. Yeah, I don't hate the idea of like a British guy going into ancient Spain and just being like, I'm doing evil shit here. Not ancient. Yeah, Spain, I, I'm not opposed to that either. Yeah, that's that's fine for me. So like, I think that kind. Of- so I, like either Aragon or Castile, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good. Who? So who would you go, Firth or McShane? I don't know. They're. They're different kind. Like I, I don't think of Colin Firth as a bad guy. Like I can't think of any movies where he's played a bad guy. He hasn't really. Not that I know of. That's not to say that he can't. But I and I feel like if we were going to be spending more time with him, and if we, here's the thing. Here, here, here's here's how I would say: if it's someone who's going to be a bad guy the entire movie, Ian McShane. If we're putting in Colin Firth as a double cross in order to kind of tip our hand that there's going to be a later double cross, then it should be Colin Firth. Colin Firth is in there if we do the double cross. Ian McShane, if we just... What you see is what you get. This is the bad guy that we're trying to take down. 
And I feel like my question for you is how many double crosses do we want in this movie? Because we're going to get the double cross from Sophia regardless. Do we want to tip the hand of that double cross in the past or do we want to not? And that's something I'm going to leave up to you. I mean, I, yeah, I like Ian McShane a lot as is. I feel like let's just go with that. I feel like that's a good choice either way. So, and well, Colin Firth is just like a, a stretch of a choice. I, well, he, he's not if we want to trust him. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like that, if, that, That's what I'm saying. Like, do you want him to, like, because Colin Firth is a good bad guy if he's going to be betraying so Cal Aguilar. So the problem that I'm having is I would want one person to be straight up Templars so we know the Templars are bad so that when we come back and Sophia is a Templar, we when she double crosses us, we know what she's affiliated with. Okay. So right. I in think that case, Spain needs to be the yeah. villain. Yeah. Okay. I'll agree with that. In that case, uh, let's talk about Musa. Yeah. Um, so Michael K. Williams is the right choice for him, but I went with somebody else. Yeah, so um, did I. I went Jordan Calloway, who plays, uh, what's his name? Pain, Pain Guy on, Pain Guy's definitely not it, uh, but he's on Black Lightning. He's the boyfriend of, what's her name? Jessica? The, the girl who becomes lightning. I I need to go back to Black Lightning because I haven't, like, because I liked it and then just, like, got distracted by other things. It's fun. It's, uh, Khalil I, is his name. Painkiller is his, uh, bad guy name. But he's, amazing. he's the runner who, like, gets his legs broken. So Whale gives him cybernetic legs. Awesome. That's what he gets in the first season. And then he has a whole character arc where he's evil and then he's not evil and then he's dead and then he's not dead because comic books. And it's all fun and games. But he's a really good actor. He's really, he's like a sweet kid is like how I would describe him. Like, That's great. who goes through a lot okay. of evil shit. And yeah, I, I would like it. to see him as like a, like in the death row situation. I think he'd be a fun character to follow. Cool. That that works for me. I think we will likely go with him, but just in case, let me tell you about mine. All right. Uh, mine is an actor named Lance Reddick. You might know him from John Wick or Bosch. In John Wick, he is the uh, the concierge. All right. Uh, no, don't remember offhand. <laughs> the thing is, like, he's someone who doesn't necessarily play like the action hero, which I think is someone we might need. Mm-hmm. In one of the John Wicks, he like runs around with a gun, but like, I feel like, uh, but, and and so like, he kind of has the, well, this is what we're going to do. But I feel like you were probably right. And I feel like Jordan Calloway is almost certainly the way to go. Yeah. I kind of, I, I agree with me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent choice. Thank you. So then, um, let's do the other two people like kind of in the, in the, quote unquote present like present past whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i think the, like the kid was nathan yeah something like that with he wasn't the kid he was the the guy with the sword in the fight in that big fight scene who gets yeah, shot whatever arrows. i went so for the next three people these are the three like actual stunt people i had okay so i i kind of picked different kinds of stunt people and for this one, for Nathan, I went with a guy named Ilram Choi, who is Spider-Man's stunt double. Okay. Um, and I specifically went with him because he's the wire work guy. Like, his fight style is up. It's He's elbows and knees. Um, and 
it, he's good at that sort of thing. Like he is a himself a wiry guy and who can do like the flips and the gymnastics and everything. And I feel like one of our people needs to be that. Yeah. So I went with Stephen Amell because he's basic white guy who can uh, be buff and take a bullet. Yeah. Yours is a better choice. I just was like, that works. <laughs> yeah. Arrow is good. <laughs> he's a good stunt-ish actor. Yeah. But no, yours yeah. is a better choice. I'm fine with that entirely. We don't, we don't necessarily need uh, acting ability. We need some people who can fight. And I feel like even Stephen Amell in the Arrow Arrow shows has stunt people. I'm sure right? for some of them, but he does some of his own fighting stuff. Like he does like that stuff with like the bar where he jumps up, like all of that the kind sa- of stuff the, is the him. Salmon ladder, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Standing. Ladder. I only really know it's called the. I only know it's called the salmon ladder because of uh, American Ninja Warrior. Ah, I did not know that. Uh, but yeah, so like, go with yours. I'm I'm totally fine with it. There's only critiques for Stephen Amell. That's fine. Like I just yeah. was like, he's cool. I'm fine with him being a superhero. <laughs> uh, then let's talk about Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another stunt woman for this. Um, but who did you have? I have Aquafina. I wanted I wanted some levity. I also was putting a bigger role on some of these when I was casting. But yeah. I wanted some levity. I love Aquafina. I just think it would have been fun to have her in this movie. And I knew Michael K. Williams was gone, so I wanted somebody else to kind of handle that. To have a little bit more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Aquafina is a good choice. I'm not wrong. (laughs) You're not. And to do all of those things, you're not wrong. Um, I went with a uh, a stunt performer named uh, Crystal Michelle. Okay. Uh, Crystal Michelle. Yeah. I I don't expect you to know the name. She's done Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's done Marvel stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, she's also like ahead of her own uh, stunt company. Like she is one of the people who's about stunt safety. And I feel like giving these people an outlet and a venue for that sort of thing is important. Absolutely. Um, Don't and also because like get more credit. I, yes, I completely I, agree. Uh, which is, I should have warned you ahead of time. I was doing this. It's not, yeah, fair. I would have looked up stunt actors, but instead I just was like, wouldn't this person be fun if they were a superhero? That's how all of yeah, my people. Are. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel fine. Bad. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm cool with it because I, you can laugh off mine now. And Yours are good. Aquafine is good. I you just... keep waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to like be, for this, like for these three, I do like the idea of stunt people. Mm-hmm. So let me let me tell you about who I have for uh, Maria, who is the name of the lady in the past, the the love interest who he cares about and is willing to kind of like mm-hmm. like it's kind of like the unspoken. The thing about her is that she's so skinny. Yeah, she's and tiny. also in the movie, she's tiny and like there's this where they're running away from like being executed. It feels like an escort mission. Cause she's constantly like five to 10 feet behind, like just struggling to catch up. I'm like, no, you should both be equally as good. You are both assassins. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't get captured because she is equally a badass. Yeah. She was just kind of, well, she was better than some, but she wasn't better than that one guy is basically like, there was a definitive ranking on who was the most powerful between the three, like in the past characters of uh, the girl, Cal, and then the guy chasing the two of them. Cause I never got yeah. his name, but so, uh, I literally wrote like some other bad guy. I have no idea what his mm-hmm. name was. It was like, who knows? But like clearly Cal was the, or Aguilar was the most powerful. 
then the guy chasing him, then she was. It was like so clearly like tiered. Yeah. And to the point of annoyance. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so I went with uh, another stunt person named Heidi Moneymaker. Hmm. She's also like Marvel stuff. She does Captain America Civil War. She did Star Trek movies and she's buff. Like she can kick someone's ass. And that's what I'm like, oh yeah. I don't necessarily want just like a skinny person running around doing uh, Marvel school of women fighting legs only. I want someone who can punch someone and they stay down. Fair enough. I went two different ways with this because I couldn't decide what I wanted. Uh, one's a okay. more... So I went Ana de Armas uh, from Knives Out. Amazing. She's just everywhere lately. I think she'd be fun to see. But I also went Carrie Washington because I thought that would be a fun twist. Or twist is the wrong yeah. word, but a fun take on it. So like I couldn't yeah. decide between those two because they're both very different actresses. They are both very different actresses. Neither, as far as I know, has any fighting ability. Not that I know of, but I would like to see either of them as a superhero. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They're both great. Uh, And my understanding is that they're both wonderful human beings. From what I'm aware of, yeah. No. Um, (laughs) But excellent choices. Uh, Let's go with... So the only other person I have is, quote-unquote, some other bad guy. So what other roles do you have? So I have the the tech guy. I couldn't remember his name, but he was... Oh, yeah. The one who then gets killed? Yeah, he took out all the computers by himself so he could die for everyone. Um, I wanted this so bad to be a cartoon character, so I cast Larry the Cable Guy to be the unthought... Nobody would assume this guy could do tech because everyone assumes he's just... There's no fool of the crew, if you know what I mean. A big thing and in any assassin game or story, there's the fool who plays the idiot. And there is no one playing the idiot in this movie. And for some reason, Larry the Cable Guy stuck out at me as someone who would be funny to play the idiot. But he sucks as a person, so I'm happy to see him die. Does he suck as a person? Yeah, he's a right-wing douchebag, for lack of a better word. Oh, He's not he's not actively a bad person. He's just right-wing douchebag. Yeah. Well, I mean cuz he's his actual name is Daniel Lawrence Whitney. Yep. And like Larry the Cable Guy is just like it's an act. An act. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that he received and then just like got known for this and that's just the guy he is now. So part of me is like so I want that voice I was, is what I'm thinking. Not that character yeah, but, but voice. I don't I don't want to give that person, like, I don't want to give someone who has become a right-wing douchebag. He's not out, like, speaking that I know of. Uh, You're fair fair to cut him out. Like, I'm not, I just thought it was, like, such a funny concept of that kind of an idiot in this movie. Because it's just not there. I feel like you're you're a good stand-up and you know good stand-ups. I feel like you could find or come up with some other comedy person. Because, like, look, when I was a kid, I watched the hell out of those uh, redneck the comedy, comedy tour, tour. What was it yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, Redneck. What was the specific name? Redneck comedy tour. It, that was. Uh, okay. Yeah, you got it. And I, and the one that I remember was, was it Larry White? Ron White. Ron White. He's in. Ron White. He's one of my Go favorite ahead. comedians. Huge fan. He's so interesting. Especially because, like, he absolutely redneck comedy tour, but then he'll be like, all right, look, here's why you shouldn't be homophobic. Yep. 
And it be and, and he's standing there with his scotch and his cigar, and he's just like, yeah, way worse, fuck it. way more of an asshole than Larry the Cable Guy. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But like at the same time, he's an asshole. He's out front about it. Like he he's an asshole like generally instead of an asshole against a specific people Unless or like they're women. Yeah, he's he's he misogynistic. Cheated on every wife and like blame them, and he goes on. I, oh, he is shit. one of the funniest human beings, but he'll sit outside the comedy store and tell you how much of a cunt his ex-wife is. His words, not mine. Cool. Yeah, like very funny guy. But that's so that that's why I don't want to kind of like step into the that realm of fair enough. I mean, so another probably all of things. some kind. Uh, yeah, well, just a stand up, just someone yeah. who's funny. So Nate Bargatze comes guy? to mind because he's got a very Ooh, say that name again. Sorry, Nate Bargatze. He's got this very slow demeanor. He's very calm. He's got a southern drawl. Very clean. Like one of my favorite G-rated comic, one of the only ones I can show the kid that I nanny. One of the funniest human yeah. beings I've ever seen in my life. Hands down. That guy would be a good fit for this too. He's just Love it. out of shape. Looks like he's a little cross-eyed. Very funny guy. That is an excellent choice. That's a better choice. choice than Larry the Cable Guy. I was just hearing Larry the Cable Guy's voice when the guy was like doing the thing and it made me laugh. Like a guy hacking with Larry the Cable Guy's voice just makes me giggle. But Nate Bargatze This movie does works. so many weird things. Like, there's that moment where we're in the past, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're in the future now. How do you know? 80s rock! <laughs> the sound, the music choice in this movie overall was so bad. Like, I had that note It twice. was pretty bad. Uh, anyway, what other uh, people did you have? Um, so I also have Ming-Na Wen written down uh, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., from uh, Mandalorian. From like a bunch of things. Or anything in particular? I just wrote fun assassin. Uh, I have nothing particular. She could be Lynn for all I like. Because Aquafine is already Lynn. I think I was debating between the two and went younger. But Ming-Na Wen's great. She does a lot of. She's been doing work for years and doesn't get recognized for it. I mean I think she's starting to get recognized now. Now? Yeah. She was on Mandalorian like for three episodes. Yeah. Maybe two. One episode, just really, one. Really, just the one? Oh. Just the one and barely in that episode. <laughs> uh, Ming-Na Wen is great. I mean, she's fucking Mulan. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like they, they talk about how now that she's been in Star Wars and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and is a Disney princess, that she's literally hit all of the big Disney tentpoles. That's true. She's She's a big part of all three of their biggest franchises. Yeah, and she's, like, literally the only one. She was also in Kingdom Hearts 2. So she's got yeah, that she's got that tentpole as well. <laughs> Did you have any other, like, specific named roles? Um, That's all I wrote down. I have directors now, so it's your turn to okay. list some names. <laughs> so then I, the only other name I had was just some other now bad, just some other bad guy. And so I feel like we just have now three famous people who I feel like would be fun choices to be like final bosses of individual levels. Yeah. So we have Ming-Na Wen, Colin Farrell, and my throw in is Dave Batista. Ooh, that's fun. Because those are three different people who would have three very different fight styles and I feel like would make excellent final bosses at whatever challenges they go through. And it's fun little... Um, yeah, actually I love that. Easter eggs for people. Because all of a sudden you get to this like, oh, 
oh no, you're, you, we recognize you. You will be good at this. You are not just like a faceless bad guy who's going to get knocked around. Yeah, I love that actually. Because like it goes to my thing where it's like there's so many different assassin styles that are in the games. And like Colin Farrell could be like a drunk dude that you have to fight. And then Ming-Na yeah, Wen, drunk, like perfect fighting. Like everything's ideal technician. And then Dave Bautista just charges you screaming. Like those are yeah, three. He's the it's so much, so fun. I love that idea. The bruiser, the technician, the wild card. And it leads into the same thing that I've done every time on these podcasts where we have a tournament of some kind where you have to fight (laughs) different people. (laughs) I mean, if you want to bring them all back, like if some button gets pushed in Act 3 and it brings like holographic, (laughs) like uh, physical manifestation holograph people of like these final three bosses that we have to fight all at once in order to get to this final person, I'm not going to say no. Well, as long as they don't push a button and then Qbert appears and turns into a woman, I'm on board with whatever they choose from there. That's the part I, I remember. That, That's the part I've I I've forgotten remember. that happened. That's all I remember. I've forgotten. Now. It's so bad. Real bad movie. Uh, this one was maybe worse. I'm not sure. All right. Mm, it's I don't hard. think it was that they bad. both suck Here's so the thing. much. That like, they're both bad movies. Pixels is bad on the face of it. I think this is sneakily worse because it teaches people the wrong lesson and it makes bad people look cool. Mm-hmm. And if we've learned anything recently from watching Lindsay Ellis videos, it's that people who are bad people just care about looking cool and don't care if the person's a bad person. What you need to do is make the bad person also look like a fool because that way it's not emulatable. Yeah, no, that's fair. Absolutely true. Make these bad people look really bad. That's the way to do it. But cool. Um, they didn't do that. I think this is also worse because Pixels knew it was bad. Like, I don't think anyone on set walked away being like, we made a fucking masterpiece. But I guarantee there were three or four people who walked out of this like, we did it. We made the best video <laughs> game movie of all time. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about writer. So I don't have a writer. Can we do directors first? Because I have ideas on directors. All right. Talk to me about your director. Because there's an obvious answer here. There are a lot of obvious answers, but I want a different route. I want two directors for this. I want one person to handle the combat stuff, and I want one person to handle the outside in prison bullshit. And I want... Ang Lee to do all the combat stuff, Crouching Tiger style, where it's all in another language and he can just play with the shots and make them beautiful. And then I want a guy, Dan Trachtenberg, to do the prison stuff. He's from Black Mirror and a few other... 10 Cloverfield Lane was his big movie. Uh, He did that Portal short film that's amazing, and he did some episodes of The Boys. He's really, really good at making prisoners and bad people fun to watch. All right, I'm going to throw someone else in there. Chad Stahelski. I recognize the name, but I'm not placing the... He is the director for all three John Wick movies. Oh, okay, yes. So stuntsmen. We're going more stuntsmen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because it's like, it's all, it's a it's an all-combat movie. The thing we care about in this movie is the combat. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a combat-based movie with a bunch of lore that's all of a sudden being uh, thrown at us. Can we compromise and make it Dan Trachtenberg and Chad? Yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, because I like Dan a lot. He, all everything, he uh, the episode of Black Mirror that 
he is my favorite he directed. It's the one where they go into the, what is it? The virtual reality play test. And like the guys living through like his watching his mom go through Alzheimer's in a virtual reality world. And it really reminded me of the animus, like genuinely, sure, it was really course. good. So I just wanted to bring that guy up because why not? I have no problems with that. Yeah. Cool. Um, Who do you have for writer? My writer, <laughs> my writer, I went with someone who is kind of known for taking an adept, like none of the movies that I have written down are knockout amazing movies, but all four of these movies are adaptations of an already existing property that kind of got turned into a functioning plot on their own with greater and lesser success. But I thought that like to readapt and kind of take control of this movie might be someone who did Snow White and the Huntsman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Divergent, Tomb Raider. And so that's why I went with uh, Evan Dougherty. Okay. Funny thing, I have uh, Tomb Raider pulled up as who like movies I was looking at to influence who I would pick. Yeah. So like we both like the new Tomb Raider. I have I have problems with the new Tomb Raider, and unfortunately, they're script problems. But like, I don't think that's necessarily his fault because I think he took this concept for this thing and adapted it pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Like, my biggest problem with the Tomb Raider movie is that like you think they're going to be introducing magic and then they don't introduce magic, and then it's are they introducing magic and we don't know. Mm-hmm. It hints at introducing something and then doesn't. Would you like to know? But, I wrote. Oh, sorry. You keep going. I was just going to say, but with Snow and the Huntsman, Teenage Mutant Turtles, Divergent, I think those kind of capture the tone of the sort of movie that this would end up being. And then they need to be directed well. I I just don't know who else would write this movie. Mm -hmm. So this is what I wrote down for writer. Let the stunt coordinator coordinate the stunts and then see how you can make a plot fit around that. That's never no. no it's not a good idea. Not. It's mostly a joke, but that is absolutely what I wrote down as like, okay, fuck it. That's what I want to see. I guess from this Assassin's Creed movie. And that's not how movies are it's made. It's a terrible way to do it. I'm not saying this is going to make a billion dollars, but wouldn't that be fun? Because there was like six or I seven. I think this movie had things. four writers. Well, yeah. I actually didn't look it up. How many writers did this have? Oh, that's actually not even going to be a good because uh, it's going to be none of them even have credits that I'm aware of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. It's just these three dudes. But I bet each of them wrote their own script and then uh, never spoke to each other. That's my guess of how this came um, together. I think uh, Adam Cooper and Bill College are writing partners because they both worked on Allegiant. Oh, okay. Then maybe those two spoke to each other. So I feel like that's a writing partnership, and then it's like Michael Leslie. I mean. Who also wrote Slow West and Macbeth. Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to think of somebody who, like, something besides what you've already said, who would be a, a different kind of writer for this. The problem is, is that you need someone who's written good action movies. And a lot of times that's going to be people like the Marcus and McFeelys of the world who write, like, the, mm-hmm. the whatchamacallit, the, the Marvel movies. And I like the Marvel I'm- movies. The problem is, is, I don't think that this is something that's quick. No, what a which is something I talked about in the, my last episode. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, it. they are quippy, but they're not... What if it was, like, a Greg Berlanti type? I know he's not quite writer-writer, 
but I'm sure he's done some sort of writing. He's the developer of the Arrowverse. Yeah. Look, I like Greg Berlanti. He's worked for a long yeah. time. And he, he has a good way of taking characters he cares about and makes them interesting. Yeah. The real problem is that you need someone who is a fan of the genre. Like, you need someone who likes Assassin's well, Creed. Well, yeah, I don't know that he likes Assassin's Creed, but I'm going to say he uh, the genre fits him enough. Maybe instead of yeah. him, Guggenheim, Mark Guggenheim, who's his partner, who specifically worked on Legends of Tomorrow, because that's time travel so you he definitely has interest in different eras. He okay. has Also, uh, Legends of Tomorrow is the best Absolutely. One. Well, except season one. That's the worst one of all of them. Maybe not the worst. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the worst season of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, yeah. but the show itself. No, is, yeah. Seasons yeah. two through four of Legends of Tomorrow are really good. But season one is, I just struggled through that one. You know what? I think Mark Guggenheim is probably the right choice. Let's go with Mark Guggenheim yeah. as the writer. Yeah. Because like, he's, got, he's got all the comic booky stuff down. He's done a lot of it. He used to write comic books. He, and I think that's important. Yeah. He so so things he has written for TV and movie wise, other than what we've said, flash forward. No ordinary family, Carnival Row, which I've heard nothing about. <sighs> Tales of Arcadia, which is one of those uh, How to Train Your Dragon averse things. Nope. I mean, Tales of Arcadia is a spinoff of Troll Hunter. Oh, Troll is Troll Hunter not a spinoff of Dragon How to Train Your Dragon? No. Just both DreamWorks. They're both DreamWorks. Troll Hunter was uh, Guillermo del Toro. It, Troll Hunter's great. Yep. If you, you haven't watch watched... Uh, you, okay. Yeah, yeah. I tried to watch Tales of Arcadia and I couldn't get into it. But. I looked at the animation style and they were in the same kind of universe, so I assumed it was a spinoff of How to Train Your Dragon, because they're very similar. Got it. Yeah. Fair enough. It's definitely the same animation style. Oh, he did write for Troll Hunters for a while. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Mark Guggenheim's the right choice. Yeah, it took me a few Googles, but I, <laughs> I set you off you so I could, I could actually look somebody up in time. <laughs> you did a great job. But he also wrote Green Lantern in 2011. So we need to actually give him more control. Because when you write one classic, you got to write more. Uh, this is animated. Oh, he wrote the... Oh. Uh, no, he wrote the, the Ryan Reynolds. Oh, one. no, you're right. Yeah, he sure did. Good for him. He ooh. He also wrote Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters. I mean, they're not ugh. That one's not I still for, think he's the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's body of I think he's better for now. itself past that. Yeah, and a lot of those things I think were studio noted to death. Like give him space but also give him interesting notes. Well, Percy Jackson I mean, Sea of Monster is the sequel to a movie that the original writer walked away from. So he did get the semblet like the shreddings of stuff. Oh, good. I mean, look, he's a man who's currently working on Leonardo da Vinci and the Soldiers of Forever. Well, I mean, what? I don't know what that is, <laughs> but I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it. Yeah, I just what? Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking it up. But yeah, so he's written an idea that reimagines Leonardo da Vinci as a member of a secret society and places him in an action adventure story involving lost civilizations and biblical demons. Yeah, I'm. Been, All right, I'm gonna watch that. I'm yeah, yeah, watch- we're we're both in, and that's the sort of writer that we should have for this. Yeah. Mark Guggenheim's the right choice. Excellent. All right, let me take you through who we got. All right, so Assassin's Creed, the movie, good this time. <laughs> that's what uh, it's called. Some Cal- of them are Brotherhood. Yes. This one's called Good This Time. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Cal slash Aguilar is going to be Rick Gonzalez. Ooh. Sophia is going to be Judy Reyes. Ooh. Reyes. 
Rickon is going to be Ian McShane. Musa is going to be Jordan Calloway. Nathan is going to be Ilram Choi. Lynn is going to be Crystal Michelle. Maria is going to be Heidi Moneymaker. Joseph Lynch will be Danny Trejo. Uh, the tech assassin guy is going to be Nate Bar- Bargazzi. Yep. And then we've got our our boss battle end of level people are going to be Ming-Na Wen, Dave Batista, Colin Farrell. Nice. All of this is going to be written by Mark Guggenheim. And then it's going to be kind of co-directed, split up between Chad Stileski and Dan Trachtenberg. Yay. And that is a good Assassin's Creed. Well, it's the Alex, best we could do. You going to go see this movie? You know what? Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fair. All right. I'll give that to you. I'll, you know what? Parkour was fun at one point. So if they if they got good parkour, I might be in. Love it. What would you like to, to – now's the time for plugs. <laughs> what plugs have you got? What do you want people to watch? Uh, just go ahead and watch my stand-up on YouTube. Google my name, Alex Kane. Also, alexkanecomedy.com for my website. Do you want to spell Kane just in oh, right. case? Kane is C-A-I-N-E. I forgot people need to spell things. Well, some people spell it K-A-N-E. No, absolutely. There's like seven different spellings of it. Yeah, so A-L-E-X-C-A-I-N-E. Yep, so it's A-L-E-X-C-A-I-N-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y.com. Cool, there you go. Uh, If you want to follow me, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. If you want to follow the podcast, it is at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram. Or you can join us on Facebook, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Um, And the best thing you can do to show support uh, especially if you're still like me, stuck at home, take some time and uh, give me a five star review. It would be incredibly helpful, and it, it is how people find the podcast. I know all podcasters talk about, but it genuinely helps. And speaking for myself, I took an afternoon and I just kind of wrote positive reviews for everyone I know who does a podcast because I want to help those people. And if it's something that you could take half an hour to write some reviews for some shows you like, every single one of us would really appreciate it. Alex. What's your favorite quote from Assassin's Creed? Oh, shit. This is the end of the movie. That's what I said at the end of the movie. That was my favorite quote. No, my favorite quote is, I pr- we recommend the chicken. <laughs>